Amen. Well, church, we are continuing our series that we started on the topic of evangelism last weekend, the greatest message that there is in the world. Pastor Tom is going to be continuing that for us and, you know, really challenging us of what God has put on his heart to be messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's go ahead and let's welcome Pastor Tom as he comes up. How's everybody doing? All right. Good to see you this morning. Let me just move this back and we're going to get set. I wanted to uh, read a, uh, a scripture. Obviously, we're talking about the greatest message of all. And I made a statement last week um, that evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God. It all comes out of knowing him and not just really just going along with the message, but just in general, just this is on my heart so much in worship about it's so awesome that we have a righteousness that doesn't come from the law, that doesn't come from works. And listen to this. Paul, in Philippians 3, um, 1 through 7, he talks about all his credentials, that if anybody could have confidence in the flesh, he can, right? And then he goes on to say, in Philippians 3, verse 7, and just let this soak in today as we get into this, this greatest message of all. Um, it says, but what things were gained to me, these... I have counted loss for Christ. Amen. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, that G of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may be found in Christ or that I may gain Christ and be found in him, listen to this, not having my own righteousness was from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And it goes on. But my uh, Pastor Pam has been preaching a message, don't miss it on Wednesday, of just getting free in our lives and walking in that newness in Christ. And she said something recently, and she said, people, the message that we preach, this gospel message, people gave their lives for. They gave up everything for this message. So we're gonna be talking about the greatest message of all, part two. So I like to always start off in prayer. So let's go before the Lord. Let's pray. And it's going to be a, a good, good, um, good service Amen. in part two, right? We're going to leave here equipped to go bring the gospel to this world. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Father, we just uh, thank you for your goodness, Lord God. And Father, for your mercy and for your anointing, Father. Father, we thank you that your word goes forth. I break the power of any heaviness today any distractions. I break the power of those distractions right now in people's lives. I thank you that the word will go forth, Lord God, and it will be received, and it will fall on good ground. Our hearts are good ground. I call New Beginnings Hearts good ground that we're going to bring the gospel, and we're going to see people's lives change in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the title of our message is The Greatest Message of All, and here's our goal. We talked about this last week. According to 1 Peter 315, simple, to prepare our hearts and be ready to share the gospel with those in our sphere of influence. In 1 Peter 315, it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Another translation says, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts, making him first place. So, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But again, we said this last week, 
but we do this with gentleness and respect. We do it kindly. So we are on a mission at all campuses over the next two weeks, right? It's been a year of separation. It's been a year of consecration. And when Jesus is set apart in our hearts, we're going to be ready and willing to share the gospel. That's when it happens. It comes out of that overflow. So we have our prayer cards. I have many names on here. These were for you to write names of those who don't know Christ, or it even could be somebody who walked away from Christ that you want to pray for. There's ways to pray on the other side. Take these with you. But we are going to pray together at the altar at the end of service. We're going to have a challenge, and then we're going to pray together as a family at the end, right here at the altar. So have those cards. If you did not get one last week, we have ones on every other seat. You could take them. You have your Steps to Peace with God mini book. How many people see that this is a good resource already? This is the gospel message. So that's for you, one for you, and one to give to someone else. So we said last week that evangelism is... The spreading of the gospel by public preaching and personal witness. Or the gospel actually means God's good news or good news. So that could be me, mean the spreading of the good news by public preaching or personal witness. Talk to a woman about shopping. Talk to a man about sports. We evangelize a lot of things. Why? Because what we're passionate about, we are going to talk about. And sometimes that's in the negative. You ever meet somebody even in the negative and you get them going, you're like, oh, God. I wish I never asked that question. Wish I never brought up that topic. But ultimately, this is what we want to get. Evangelism is an overflow of our relationship with God. That's the key. Because if we don't keep that fire fueled, if we don't keep that passion for God, our evangelistic efforts are going to die out. So in Mark 3.14, it says, speaking of Jesus, and he appointed the 12 to continue to be with him be with him first, right? And that he might send them out to preach as apostles or special messengers, and that's us. So here's our foundational scripture for the series. This is becoming one of my favorite scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. How many people are new in here? Amen. Not new to church. I mean, New in, in Christ, okay. So it, all this is new. The old is gone, the new is. All this is from who? God. So there's, I just want to stop here. Pay attention to this. There's three people involved in this scenario. God, Jesus, and us. Ready? It's all from who? It's from God. How did we get it? All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That should get us excited. We should always be excited about that, the joy of our salvation. When David sinned, the first thing that he said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation, that I may, I, I, I believe he said, bring sinners back to your ways. I'm paraphrasing it. So David needed to be restored to the joy of his, uh, his salvation. It also says in Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's our world? Yeah, we may go to the mission field, but let's start with the one at our job, the one in our classrooms, our family, our friends, our coworkers. So last week, we talked about the main elements of the gospel. We saw God's original plan, was the first part. We saw the problem was Adam's sin, and it's not his fault. 
Don't blame Adam. We all would have did this thing because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus was the only perfect one. So that's the problem. Now we see if there's an original plan, if there's a problem, there is a solution. There's a remedy. And that solution, there's only one. No matter what anybody tells you, there's only one. And it's the cross. And it's, it, it's Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through him. So it's through Jesus. And then this is the greatest news to me of them all. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. So that tells me if I didn't earn it and if I didn't work for it, I can't lose it, right? I secure in my relationship with him, right? So what is the response? It's a free gift. By grace, you have been saved through faith. It comes through faith, but it's by grace that no one could boast in this. It's a gift. It's a free gift, and that is available to all. Even that person on your job who steals your stapler off your desk, right? That person at your job that drives you nuts, it's for all of us, right? So in Luke 15, they're saying the same thing about you. I'm kidding. So in Luke 15, Jesus tells the power of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. The theme, when you lose something in value, you will search diligently until you find it, and when you find it, you will celebrate. And he said, um, if one of you has a sheep and that, and you lose one, do you not leave the nine? I didn't see if you lose 10, if you lose one, right? You're going to go after that one. God cares about the one. That God cares about that one. So let's start with one. We don't want this, this series to put all this pressure on us to think, oh my God, I shouldn't sleep because I got to evangelize and my life should be about the gospel and I shouldn't cook for my family. No, we do all those things. We just open up our eyes. I want to shift our perspective. We just open up our eyes where we're at. Oh my God, I see it differently now. I was maybe not as sensitive to people's needs, but now my eyes are open, right? So it's just letting the life of God come out of you wherever you are. You don't have to do that much different. You could still go shopping, just bring an unsaved person with you and buy them some clothes and share the gospel with them, right? Something like that. If you like sports, go to a sporting event with someone who doesn't know Christ. You could enjoy your sports and you can share the gospel. Now there's times it may require sacrifice where it's not sports. You got to do something you don't like, but you get the point. So last week we were challenged to continue to fuel our passion for God by daily intimacy with him, remembering God's heart of compassion for us, right? And we're to bring that to others. And last week we said this, and we're going to get into week two. What you're passionate about, you will talk about. Amen? Amen. So in part two, we're going to be really practical. We're going to look at how we get this message out. And then we're going to look at a few obstacles to getting the message out and how we overcome them. There might be a lot of people in here who you share the gospel all the time, and you probably could teach me how to share the gospel. There might be people in here who never share the gospel. You're new. It doesn't matter where you are. Every single person can receive from these things we're going to talk about. So how do we get this great, the greatest message of all out to our world? In the natural, we'll, we can send a message with our body language, our actions, our words, right? In the same way, we preach the gospel in three main ways. Our lifestyle, our actions, and our words. Ultimately, our desire is for our lifestyle, our actions, the way we treat people to open up the door for us to actually share the gospel message specifically. Because how many people know it doesn't come by sign language? You have to actually speak the word of God to somebody, right? So um, Colossians 4, 3 through 4, at the same time, pray for us too that God will open a door of opportunity to us for the word to proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I have been in prison. Paul was in prison. 
for the gospel, for the sake of the gospel, that I may make it clear and speak boldly and unfold the mystery in the way I should. I pray in the name of Jesus that every single person under the sound of my voice grabs hold of the scripture, three things that God will open up the door. We're gonna pray at the end and also that we will be able to speak it clearly and relatably and that we will speak it boldly and not be ashamed of the gospel. Amen, are you with me? All right, so let's look at the, uh, the, before we look at the other way, so I'm sorry, we're gonna look at the first way, how we live our lives in front of people. So here's the first way, how we live our lives in front of people. That word front is capitalized for a reason. What they observe about our life sends a message and attracts people to God. They see peace in our lives. I shared this last week. This girl was like, I need peace. I want to go to church because they see peace in your life. People see peace. They see how we go through things and they realize, okay, I need what they have. And if you don't believe that our lifestyle sends a message or maybe body language sends a message or how you can send a message without words, I want to give you a, 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 an example of that, how I was skeptical of this um, in the natural. I, was, I, I graduated from Oral Roberts University and I was in my, this class in psychology and my teacher started talking about body language and he was so into it, he was so passionate about, you could send message. And I was like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You can't, I was like, come on, give me a break. I was saying to the person next to me, you're telling me that somebody could actually think what you're, you know, see what you're saying just by your body language. And I was just like, whatever. So I was skeptical in what that guy was saying, but he was right because, and the Holy Spirit wanted to show me that he was right. So I walk out of class I'm not kidding, literally walk out of that class just saying to somebody, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Get outside, this girl sees me from afar, maybe like here to you, somewhere around there, maybe a little further. And she's like, Tom, how you doing? And I don't say a word and I go like this, but in my mind, this is exactly what I thought. I have no idea who this is. And she goes, don't you look at me like you don't know who I am. I'm like, he's right, my teacher knows. Body language is real. So I say that to you. If you don't think people get a message by how we live, remember that story, right? So people, we send a message with how we live. Titus 2, 9 through 10, exhort bond servants to be obedient to their masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity or good faith that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Adorn, to simplify it. This scripture saying, the way you live at work, the way you interact with your boss is gonna make the gospel attractive and appealing. It's that is what it's saying. How you live your life is gonna make the gospel attractive to people. After 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 in verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ, right? As though God was making his appeal through us. Isn't that awesome? God is making his appeal through us. He's bringing the greatest message of all through broken vessels. When I say broken, I mean now we've been restored in Christ, spiritually speaking, but people who have faults, people who have weaknesses, he's bringing that through us. Is that not awesome? Is that not the greatest honor and privilege to bring this message to people? So that's how we live in front of people, how we live our lives towards people, serving, loving, caring, listening, acts of kindness, all of these send a message that attract people to God, right? In John 13, 34 through 35, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, 
So you are to love one another by this. By what? By the love we show. By this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. And I remember I was at work one time years back or 10 years ago or so, and some lady got in a car accident on the way out of work, and I was right next to her, and I stopped my car, and I went to the hospital with her. Her name was Debbie, and I stayed with her until her husband came there, and I stayed with her the whole time, and she said to me, she goes, I'll always remember what you did, right? And that opens the door for you to share the gospel. We don't do it for just that reason. We ultimately would be doing a people a disservice if we did not share the gospel with them. And in a sense, we want to bring them to Christ, but we just want to do stuff, obviously, yes, to just be there for people and be loving. And eventually that just naturally opens the door. Pastor said, until we serve others, we have no right to speak into their lives. That doesn't mean that somebody, God can't just put a natural connection in our lives and we minister the gospel without serving somebody. We don't want to get religious, but on the whole... When we love people and we serve them, it opens the door for us to share the gospel. So how we live our lives in front of people, there's a difference, what they observe, and then how we live toward them is gonna open up the door for this final one, the words we say to people. Now, keep in mind, sharing encouraging words that are non-gospel, just you're gonna, everything's gonna be okay, or you're just a, a person at your job who just has a smile every day and is always happy, that, that, that way draws people to Christ, but ultimately we want to share the gospel with them. So our desire is to be able to share the good news because Romans 10, 14, but how will people call on him who, who, whom they have not believed and how will they believe in him whom they've not heard and how will they hear without a preacher or messenger? We have to bring the gospel to people and uh, it's, it's our responsibility as believers, all of us, it's not like buying a new car. There's times you could buy a new car and there's options, right? It's optional. I'm going to get air conditioning. I'm going to get a CD player, Bluetooth. Oh, maybe I don't want Bluetooth. Take that out. No, it's not like that with the gospel. If you're new in Christ, okay, now that your salvation doesn't depend on whether you bring people or not, that's not the key. But if you're new in Christ, it comes with the package. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It's part of the package. It's not optional. So we all need to do that. But we need to understand, and this is going to relieve a lot of frustration. This helped me years back to remember this. It's a process, and it takes time, and there's a planting, and there's watering, and there's harvesting, and we all play a part. Like Mary Ellen might see somebody at the Wawa, and she might talk to them and just share them, and then she might just share an encouraging word or share something about new beginnings. And what happens? Four weeks later, that same person runs into someone else and starts talking about God, right? She planted the seed, the next person watered the seed, and then maybe that person asked them if they wanted to receive Christ, and the person says, no, I'm not ready to do that, right? And then a year later, that person's going through something in their life, and all of a sudden, they're ready for the gospel, and somebody else comes along and harvests. We all get the same reward. Um, Paul, uh, Paul says, I plant Apollos waters, but it's God who gives the increase. That's what we need to understand. We're messengers of the gospel. I remember I used to work with this lady in sales, and she was so successful in sales, and she was a Christian, and she had so much integrity, and she would always just say to me, it's not me. 
I just get out every day and I sow seeds. And she goes, when I sow seeds, I'm going to reap a harvest, right? So when we sow seeds, we're going to reap a harvest. We are messengers of the greatest message of all. Does that not take pressure off us? Does that not take pressure off us? That we're just messengers. We go out. It's him who does it. It's God that draws people. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. God is the one who gives the increase. We don't have to. You don't go out to your garden every day. Grow, grow. No, you don't, you don't do that, right? You plant a seed and you do all the right things and a harvest comes up. We don't have to stress about it. We don't have to try to manipulate people. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's walk through an encounter to learn this, right? We don't have to know everything. We don't have to know every scripture. We start where we're at and we learn as we go. So let's walk through Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman, pulling out some key elements of a gospel encounter, and let's learn from the master. Let's learn from the best. I want to learn from Jesus. Let's look at what Jesus did, all right? All right, so John 4, 3 through 4, he left Judea and, and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Let's stop right there. Let's set this up. Samarians were look, Samaritans were looked down by the Jews as being half-breeds. This is crazy. I, did, I didn't realize this till recently until I started studying for this. They would actually, okay, let, let me back up. How many people always try to take the shortest distance somewhere, right? Does you ever call somebody and be like, hey, I'm, I want to go to ShopRite. Can you tell me the longest way? I want to go where there's a lot of traffic. I want to get there late. I want to, you know, if it takes me a half hour, I want to be there. No one has ever done that, right? We don't. Okay, so in light of that, this is what, they would actually go, you could, it's quicker for Jews to cut through to Samaria to go where they needed to go, whatever they were, but they would actually go around and take the longer way because they didn't want to be around Samaritans. That should show you how much they didn't like Samaritans, that you would take the longer route just so you don't have to see some, you're thinking, oh God, I just, I saw my cousin and I went, I'm just kidding. So anyway, so, so they went around Jews didn't have a lot of dealings with Samaria and Jesus, but Jesus doesn't take their traditional route. Amen? That's what we need to get at it. So Jesus was compelled to go through Samaria. It says he must needs in the, in the, in the original language. He, ha- he was like gripped to go through. You ever feel that where you're, I got to call this person up. Don't dismiss that. So here we see is where it all begins. We don't want this to become a formula. We don't want this to become a ri- rigid thing, but there's a pattern that we see for someone to come to Christ. And we've all walked through this pattern. It all starts with sensitivity. This is where it begins. Jesus was compelled to go through Samaria. It's the same thing when we open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit and the needs to those around us, right? What did we say? Lift up our eyes. Jesus said when he talked about the harvest field, you say, after at the end of this story in John 4, he says, there are still, you, you say, there are still four months more and then the harvest. I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're already white. So what Jesus is saying to us, open up your eyes, they're there. And then he says, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. That, what's that saying? They're out there. We just need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's not about them not being there. It's about us not being sensitive, not to condemn us. So what I'm saying is let's open up our eyes as we go about our everyday lives. So let's continue. We're going to walk through this. Now, I cut out some pieces that we didn't need, so I'm walking through the main pieces. So now we see sensitivity. How many people have experienced that before you have, right? Okay. The next one is John 4, 7 through 8. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus was tired. He sat down from his journey, and she said, 
And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Here we see connection. There's always going to be a connection. It could be a spiritual connection about church. It could be just a natural connection. You got a connection with someone at work that they like sports and you like sports, whatever it is. But it starts with a natural connection. So we see connecting, establishing a connection with a person. In the natural, Jesus connect with her. It's the power of relationships, the power of relationships. So let's continue. We see, see, there's usually that connection. So you're connecting with the person. It could be any connection. You could have a relationship with someone for maybe five months and maybe they, ne you never, they never realized you were a Christian or maybe they did, but you've never really talked about it. So sensitivity connecting. Now we see the next part. John 4, 9 through 10. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jesus is breaking boundaries. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So let's look at this. Here we see directing or turning the conversation towards spiritual things. That's probably the most uncomfortable. Now, I don't want this to be a ritual, but eventually that connection has to move to talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about bringing someone to Christ here or someone maybe who's backslidden. So now Jesus is turning the, the conversation from natural things to spiritual things. It's like when you're out there with somebody and you just start talking to them about, about something and all of a sudden you just start saying to them, let me ask you a question. Like, do you have complete peace in your life? Like, you, you, you know, you say... Maybe you, you, you deal with these different things. Do you have peace in your life? Because I've found peace, and let me talk to you how I found that. So now you're turning the conversation. Would you agree that's not probably the most uncomfortable thing? It's like talk, it's like, it's kind of like this. You're dating, and you know you want to ask the girl out. You both know it, and then you're like, you know you want to ask her out on a date, but you're still talking about the weather and talking about school, and your heart's pounding, and you're like, I'm just going for it. That's kind of what it's like here, okay? So that's, the best way to explain it. So now, Jesus directs the conversation towards spiritual things. But here's the key right here. This is going to be one of the most important keys to your evangelistic efforts. You have to be a good listener. Because when you start getting into these deeper conversations, there's going to be a lot of questions. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit will help you process it. And if you don't know, just say, no problem. I'm going to ask Pastor Jerry and get back to you. That's what I do with questions. So it's okay. You don't have to know everything, but most of the time that person will call you or, or you'll start talking to him and your mind is like, I have no idea, I have no idea, I have no idea. And in your mind, you're like, I can't answer them. And all of a sudden, before you realize it, you answered every question by the Holy Spirit. And you're like, wow, I knew more than I thought. So don't, so don't take heart. Just be a good listener because it's going to show people that you care about them, right? It's going to show people that you care about them. We are ministers of reconciliation. That's who we are. Just let it come out of us. Two people that were in Bible school that just were such good, uh, when I say good, just people that had such a heart for evangelists was Terry and Jack. Terry, I believe it's Lipsenberger and Jack Laird. They both, and they, the interesting thing, they're bo they both cut hair. I'm like, man, there's some, because 
Because two reasons, number one, they can't go anywhere, and number two, they're not going to get offended because you're cutting their hair. What'd you say about Jesus? You want a mohawk? No. Anyway, so here's the thing. They're, like, think about it. Like, I, that's the best place to evangelize, right? So, so I just want to say they do it in their everyday lives because it's who they are. So I just want to encourage us, just do, do, do it where you're at. So this is where it goes deeper. And finally, let's look at this. John 4, 11 through 18. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then you get, do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in, in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband for you had, have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, that you spoke truly. Here we see ministering the gospel. Now we understand here that people could not become born again yet because Jesus hadn't risen. The Holy Spirit hasn't been here, but we know they could believe and put their faith in him. And just like Abraham, it would be credited to them as righteousness, right? In that, in that sense. So basically, People could believe, and if they have the opportunity, receive the Holy Spirit, but they could put their faith in him. So basically, here we see sharing the gospel. Jesus begins to share about eternal life. And two major things we're going to talk about here is people that don't know Christ need to see that God is real and that God is loving. That God is real and that he's loving. The woman in this situation, right, she saw two major things, two major things he's real. He's the Messiah. He spoke truly. He knew something that only God could know. And you and me, when we're out there, we're going to speak things and not even realize it because we're operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many times I've prayed for somebody and they're like, only you could know that. Or rather, only God could know that. I, we had an outreach at, in, at Bayville and I prayed for somebody. He went over to his mom and said, I don't know how that person knew that about me when he prayed. I didn't know that. I didn't know. I didn't even know I prayed that. And that's probably happened to you multiple times. I remember my kids had a singing competition. I had to go get some um, food for their teacher. I walked into Applebee's and I felt like the Lord wanted me to speak to this young man and probably in college age about something. I said, the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to tell you this. And he just beamed up with a smile. He's like, my grandmother's going to be excited. She's been praying for me for my entire life. We could be answers to people's prayers. And today, we're going to be challenged. And we're going to come up here. And we're going to believe for divine appointments. We're going to believe that we or others are going to be answers to people's prayers. But God wants to operate through you, not just people up here. He wants to operate through you, through me, all of us, supernaturally. It's the Holy Spirit. So this woman saw this. She said, this guy knows everything about my life, good and bad, but he's offering me something that's gonna change my life, something that's gonna satisfy me for eternity, and that's eternal life. And that's what Jesus, put yourself in her shoes. You're going out and you're drawing in the middle of the day. Most experts would agree she was ashamed. She didn't wanna face people. She had shame, and she went to get this living water, and she met somebody 
that wasn't supposed to be talking to her, read her mail, knew everything about her, but said, I could change your life, and I'm offering you living water. You're going to see that person is real, and that person is loving. He's the one true God. And two of the biggest objections you're going to get right now is God is not real, or God is, or he's not real, or he's real, but there's other gods, or he's real, and you don't really have to believe in Jesus. So that's, it's most objections, it's packaged that he doesn't exist. I could, I could go some other way. No, he's the one true God, right? So that's the first thing that we need to be armed to share, to, to combat with people. Again, we don't have to know everything. The second thing, God is not good or God is not loving. There's COVID, there's people dying, there's craziness in the world and people more and more come up to you and ask, if God's so good, why did that happen? If God's so good, why did that happen? So those are the two major things we're gonna get and we can't get into all of it right now. God, so what, what do we want people to really see? He's real and God is loving, amen? And that's what this woman saw and here's where it all ends and this is great, okay? John 4, 25 through 26, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he would tell us all things. This is where the rubber meets the road. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. It's equivalent to us having this long conversation with somebody, them pouring out their lives to us and saying, Jesus is here and he could change your life. All you have to do is believe in your heart and receive it and receive it. Believe in it in your heart that God, that God raised him from the dead. Believe that he died on the cross. You, God, raised him from the dead. It's a free gift. Would you like to do that? That's kind of equivalent to what we would do, inviting a response. So there's an invitation. That's the final way. So we see sensitivity, connecting. The conversation turns towards spiritual things, right? Then we minister the gospel by listening and talking, listening, I'll say it again, listening and talking, and then we invite a response. And finally, after that, we got to care for that person. We're, we're called to make disciples, right? Disciples, people who follow God. If you lead someone to Christ, we want to get them to church. Ideally, you could bring them in here and invite them. You can get them saved out there, however you want to do it, Right? But the most important thing is that we're caring for new believers, getting them hooked up in a church, getting them a Bible, calling them up, checking in on them. It's our job as believers to care for new believers. Amen? Amen. So here's, and now we're going to kind of get into some of the obstacles that we face. We got about 15 more minutes and we are done. But it's going to be an exciting 15 minutes. John 4, 39 through 42 Here's what happened after that woman had this encounter with Jesus. I said, what you're passionate about, you will talk about. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. That encounter drove the Samaritans now asked to ask Jesus to stay for a few days. And then it goes on to say, now we not only believe because of your word, we believe because we heard it from him. And when we minister the gospel, eventually we take people from hearing our testimony or hearing the Bible from us and receiving Christ to now experiencing a new life in Christ for themselves. And what's the natural result of that? Now they're gonna go tell somebody else because that's the natural, when your life is changed, how could you hold it back? right? How could we hold back the gospel message? Are you with me? How can we hold back the gospel message? This woman was so, encounter, was so changed by the encounter, she told 
these people about it. She shared her testimony. It's one of your most powerful evangelistic tools is your testimony, just sharing your story. They could argue all this stuff, but they can't argue that that person's changed. I knew what you were like, and it's a miracle you've changed because God wants to do extraordinary things, right, through, through ordinary people. Through, that's what God wants to do. He did it through Peter. We saw the change in Peter when God um, when he denied Jesus and then Jesus restored him and he went on to preach the gospel with boldness. But I shared this testimony last night. I'm going to share it again. This is Martin Fernandez's testimony that to me is like the man at the well in a sense for me to a certain extent. And he worked for Build-A-Bear Workshop and he was recruiting teens to work for him because if you know retail, teens are the best candidates to work in retail. So Martin is driving by the church when we didn't have, well, I think the, te the teen center was here, it was called 180. 180 means to make a 180 degree turn. Martin thought it meant there's 180 teens in the building. <laughs> so he's driving, but he's it's kind of like Jesus, wearied from the day. He sits down, he's wearied from the day. He's been trying to find teens all day to work for him. He comes by the church, he hears a voice. Something compels him, get inside, go to that place. He ignores it, he, something else Again, go over there. He comes in. He tells Barbara that I'm looking for teens, and she just chuckled. She's like, this is a church. But Barbara, in her spirit sensitivity, said, let me show you around the building. She showed Martin Hint the children's ministry. Isn't that not amazing? Yeah. She showed him the children's ministry. Man, that, that just, just is so cool. And then she comes by here, and M M Mark is in here practicing, and Mark has a tattoo. And Martin says, who are those guys what type of church is this that people are allowed with in here with tattoos? And Barbara's like, that's my son. And Martin says, wow. He, I don't think he told Barb this, but he had been condemned by Christians saying Christians can't have tattoos and serve God with tattoos. Jews don't talk to Samaritans, right? That's kind of what it was like. Like Barb's like, that's my son, right? Kind of the same way when Jesus was talking to this woman. And Martin now was going through a backslidden state and he, he was getting, going through a divorce, a really hard time, and he just went in his car and cried and came to service that night. And he was starting to develop a mentality that God was an old man. Um, I, wanna, I wanna get it right. God was an old man on a mountain with a lightning bolt ready to get him. He comes in the church, it's over, pastor preaches. And Martin is in the back or wherever he is, and pastor goes, hold on everybody, I know it dismissed. There's somebody here who feels like God is an old man on a mountain with a lightning bolt ready to get you, get up here. Martin came up where he said, I spilled every sin. And pastor's like, God must blind me because I don't remember any of that. He remembered the whole story because we were just talking about it. But here's the thing with Martin, the rest is history. He's an assistant pastor. He, treat, he, he takes care of our children. He has a passion for God. God changed his life. Now, he was a person who was in relationship with Christ. So let's not just think of someone who doesn't know Christ, but also people who are in a backslidden state. So what are some of the obstacles of preaching the gospel? I'm, this one I'm keeping really short. There's a lot of them we deal with, but they're in two main categories. Fear and self-preservation, self selfishness not to condemn us, fear of rejection, fear of man, fear of I don't know what to say, 
Selfishness, would rather watch TV, would rather fulfill my dreams, would rather live my own life instead of talk to somebody about the gospel. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 8, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Context is king when we're reading scriptures. We use this all the time, and, and it's completely valid to use it for being afraid of the dark, being afraid of your future, being afraid of all this stuff. But if you look at it in its context, it's in the context of two things, stirring up the gift of God in us and sharing the gospel. He's saying, because therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God in you, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. That word gift is spirit-empowered service to the church to carry out his plan for his people. Does that not change that scripture? So God has not given you and me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind to do, to, to do things, to carry out his plan in our lives, for you to step out and do what God wants you to do, for you to walk in your gifting. And that gifting, it doesn't have to be in the five-fold ministry. That's a small percentage. That desire that God has put in you to be a teacher, it's to reach those kids. That desire that God has put in you to be a garbage man is to reach those people on your job, to serve others, whatever it is to be a toll collector, it doesn't matter, to be a doctor, lawyer, to speak to millions of people, to be an entertainer, whatever it is, he's put that in you. And Billy Graham is one of the greatest evangelists of all time. In 2005, had the opportunity to be a supervisor on his crusade. And one of the things that they had in 2005 was a statistic. It might have changed now with social media, but in 2005, everybody that made a decision for Christ at a Billy Graham crusade, so all the people that made a decision for Christ, 80% of those people were invited by a friend. Billy Graham would go into cities and prepare the churches. They'd contact all the churches to invite people to the crusades. 80% of, of people that got saved or made a decision for Christ came from a Christian developing a relationship and inviting him. It's about relationships. That's the power of relationships. So if you do the math, I believe Billy Graham reached 11 million people. He'd only reach around 2.5 million people in his life if it wasn't for the body of Christ. Somebody in the front hold up a connect card. You see the red connect cards. And Bianca confirmed this last night with me. About 80% of every single person that comes to this church was invited by you. So you're doing a great job. But let's take it to the next level. Let, take it to the next level with urgency, right? Because we are the church. We are the church and it's our job. If we could, we could stand up, I just want to encourage us. We're going to make a commitment if we could just stand up. So you have three things in your favor. You have three weapons to combat this, this fear or this selfishness or these things that hinder us from sharing the gospel. Number one, the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Joe said, the me trap, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What? To jump around and speak in tongues and have a good time? That's all good. But to be witnesses. What's a witness? Somebody looks in something and says, that gives me evidence that something's real. And we want people to see that God is real. And God is love. So we have the power of the Holy Spirit. When we understand that it's not about us, that it's about the power of the Holy Spirit, everything changes. Everything changes. We said this series was going to be a launching pad for us 
to be intentional about sharing the gospel. So we have power, we have love, the unconditional love of God. When that love gets a hold of you, that perfect love casts out fear. I remember I had a friend who used to say this years back. You'd remember him, Clayton, from the old church we used to go to. And he used to say, the Holy Spirit spoke me. Don't fear people, just love them. When you love people more than you fear them, you will share the gospel with them. I got so excited about the message one time. I want you to get excited like this too. It was a Wednesday night when I was in my early 20s. And I got so excited about somebody who shared a gospel message that I went to Point Pleasant Beach alone to share the gospel with a group of people. I started on one side of the beach and I was at the middle of the beach sharing the gospel with a group of 20-year-olds. And all of a sudden, I'm sharing the gospel and somebody walks up from my church, Clayton, and I'm like, what are you doing here? He goes, I don't know. He goes, the Holy Spirit spoke to me to come share the gospel on the beach. The beach is pretty big around here. Right there? These kids were like, you're, you're making this up. It took us five minutes to convince them that we didn't make it up. But after they realized it, they're like, this God is real. Only God can do this. Only God, and God wants to do that for you. He's gonna set up divine appointments in our future. All we have to do is be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be more sensitive, be more tuned. We don't have to do that much different except let the life of God flow wherever we're at. And finally, he's given us power, love, and he's given us a sound mind. In the original language, that's a mind that's fitting for a situation. Your mind's not gonna go crazy when you have to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit is gonna give you the words. You're gonna have a sound mind. You're gonna know what to say. The Holy Spirit's gonna work through you. Why? Because you and me, we are ministers of reconciliation. And when God calls us somewhere, he equips us. And, and evangelism is more about availability than it is ability. And that is so true. It's not a cliche. You just have to say yes. I just have to say yes. And I don't care if you never shared the gospel or you, you could teach me about sharing the gospel. We want to say yes to God today. We want to say yes and be intentional about bringing this message. My sister Pam, when she preached her message, she's like, people died for this message. There's people who've been martyred for this message. There's people like Billy Graham who laid down his life for this message and not to exalt him. And there's housewives and grandmothers who stayed home that nobody saw that are praying for people. And Pastor Matt just preached an awesome message on passing the baton. And let's pass this baton on to this next generation. Let's pass this baton on to our children, to our family. Let our kids see us sharing this gospel message. So we're going to say yes to God today. In Isaiah, it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And I'm not trying to get us emotional. I never try to do this up here. Whatever, however the Holy Spirit operates through me, we're spirit, soul, and body. That's how he's operating through. Are you ready to say yes today? And are we ready to take a step and pray for others? We got about a few more minutes I want to just let the Holy Spirit let out. It's 10, 13. We got time. I do really want to not dismiss and just not pray for others. 
I want you to take your cards and I want us to come up here. Last night, this altar was filled. Let's say yes to God. Let's say, I'm ready to share the gospel. Just come on up here, church. Let's just get up here. I got my card. I'm gonna pray for you. And we're gonna believe God for the anointing on each of us to share the gospel. Amen? Amen. And this doesn't mean you don't share the gospel if you're not, if you're not coming up here to say yes. But let's fill this altar. Let's all make a commitment to say, I'm going to be available to share the gospel message with my sphere of influence, with my friends, with my co-workers. I'll wait till everybody get up, gets up here, and then we are good. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song about being available when we're up here. And then I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to pray for others. Amen. And amen. Well, let's do this. Let's just, just say this after me. Father, Father I thank you, thank you for, your love for your love that set me free. That set me free. And, I you and I thank you that I have that love, have that love to, set to set others free. I thank you, I thank you that you, thank you have not given me a spirit of fear but of power of love and a sound mind I thank you for divine appointments I thank you for supernatural sensitivity to your Holy Spirit now let's take this card and I'm going to pray you don't have to repeat after me and you can keep praying for these cards on your own, we see testimonies after testimonies of praying for people. It's so powerful to, to, to just pray for others. My sister, Pastor Pam, shared a story about a girl who saw these, ten bu these bullies at school and God put it on her heart. Instead of condemning them and, and criticizing, start praying for them. She listed all 10 on a card and one by one would pray and led every single one of them to Christ. So we, you may not be the one, it may be someone else, but let's pray. And let's pray with our heart. We have the ways to pray. Father, we thank you for those on our cards. We thank you that many are going to go on to be pastors, Lord God, and to be teachers and doctors and lawyers, but they're going to do it in your plan. They're going to do it with your power. So we thank you that your love will saturate them. We thank you for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit upon them. We thank you for laborers to be sent in their path. And we thank you. We declare, Lord God, the gospel will go forth. They will hear your message. Some may not receive, Lord God, but you will bring it to them. You will send someone with the gospel message so they could hear it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, God bless you. It's so awesome to see so many people up here, so many people out there ready to say yes to God. It was an honor to, to preach this message to you. And I just want to say have a blessed day. If you're here and you never received Christ and you never took that step, we have prayer workers up here. If you need to uh, rededicate your life and come back to God, we have prayer workers up here. If you need healing, there's something um, going on in your life. Don't leave without getting prayed for. But God bless you. Take those cards. Continue to believe God and go out and be ministers of reconciliation. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.